Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, verses 1 through 12, called, How Far Gone is the Night? All right, we're going to be in Isaiah 21 tonight. How Far Gone is the Night could be a title, because that is going to be in our text tonight. Isaiah 21, as Isaiah continues to take us through both near far fulfillments, he's going to take us to the burden of Babylon. We're going we're to watch the judgment of Babylon, both historical Babylon, which, uh, by the way, fell several times to different nations, and we'll talk about that. But Babylon also encapsulates a future world system that's mentioned in Revelation 17 and 18. And we've seen two aspects of that Babylon, both a spiritual aspect of Babylon and a, uh, let's call it a, a world economic type of aspect of that Babylon that will fall, that will be indicative of the last day's uh, world that will follow that trail. And uh, we'll, we're going to kind of make a distinction between Babylon and the ways of the Lord, and we'll, we'll jump into it in a moment. But let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for the people that have come out tonight. We can do a number of different things with our time, but our time is best invested in the things that will matter and the things that will pay eternal dividends, Lord. And so you say that we are to be wise about our time. We're to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Lord, we are to redeem our time. And the best way we can redeem our time is for the Redeemer. And so we just pray that tonight as we study your word, you will illuminate our minds, that you will soften our hearts, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In the Valley of Vision, as we'll see in Isaiah 22, Jerusalem was known for that place of prophecy, but they, they had become hard-hearted. And the Valley of Vision had become skewed and darkened. We want to have eyes to see. We want to have discerning minds and hearts. We want to recognize the signs of the time, times, the handwriting on the wall, however you want to put it, Lord. We just want to be sensitive to your spirit. And how exciting it is to be part of a fellowship that wants to reach out, people who are witnessing their faith, people who want to get behind uh, multi-church outreaches, radio, um, other things to go beyond the walls of the church. We don't Father, want to just cloister behind these walls. We want to be out there about our Father's business, occupying until you come. And so, Father, we want to pray that you would stir us, as Chris was talking about and praying about, to love and good deeds. Help us to literally incite one another by one another's faith that we may go out and make a difference, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in... uh, Isaiah 21, how far gone is the night? We've been watching as Isaiah bears these burdens. He has a a burden for different nations that surround the nation of Israel. We've talked about the surrounding nations in chapters 13 through 23. He has a burden or an oracle for this nation or that nation. And just to tell you where we're going, in verses 1 through 10 in in, uh, Isaiah 21, it's the burden of Babylon. In verses 11 and 12, same chapter, you'll have the burden of Edom. In verses 13 through 17, a burden for Arabia. 
in chapter 22, verses 1 through 25, the burden of Jerusalem. And then in chapter 23, we'll look at the burden of Tyre. So five nations mentioned. All the nations that are mentioned here, Isaiah has a heavy message for them. He has a message from the Lord to these people that they need to pay attention to and they need to receive. And the first one is, as I mentioned, Babylon. It's the oracle, Isaiah 21.1, concerning the wilderness of the sea, or if you have a New King James, it says the burden against the wilderness of the sea, as windstorms in the Negev sweep on, it comes from the wilderness from a terrifying land. If you have an NIV, it reads this way, an oracle concerning the desert by the sea, like whirlwinds sweeping through the Southland, an invader comes from the desert from a land of terror. Now this particular uh, people group is identified as Babylon, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about Babylon tonight and what Babylon represents. But the first metaphor that I want you to see is it's the heavy burden, the oracle concerning, notice the description of Babylon, the wilderness of the sea. And when you look at the geography of Babylon, Babylon is actually inland. So why would Babylon be called the wilderness or a synonym for wilderness is the desert of the sea? When you think about the metaphors, you think about a desert. A desert isn't too attractive for uh, promoting that which is uh, life. It doesn't sustain life well. As a matter of fact, it drags away at life. And we know the children of Israel went through the desert for 40 years. And the desert is that place of temptation for Jesus. So it's not a place very friendly to life or the conditions for prosperity of life. But what's interesting is it is called, notice in verse 1, it is called the wilderness or the desert of the sea. And it's kind of a mixed metaphor. Why would you call something a desert and then simultaneously call it a sea? Well, think about a sea. If you are on a sea, let's say that you were in a boat and somehow you were lost at sea or you were floating on a piece of wreckage. You are surrounded by a body of water. Everywhere that you can look is water, but there's one problem with the water. You can't drink it because if you drink the water, it will kill you. And so many who look at this passage see in Babylon that Babylon is something that can look attractive from a distance. Maybe it, it, it seems to offer an oasis in the desert or much in terms of water that seems to be promising. But then when you get there, it actually can't produce anything that will give you life. That's kind of how the world is. When we were in Israel in 2006, we were told about the Sea of Salt, also known as the Dead Sea. It's actually got a 23% mineral content. There are little fish that swim in there. It's not completely dead of life. But you can literally just lay down in the water and you will float because of the concentration of minerals in the water. And I've told you that you can stay in there for about 15 minutes, but if you stay any longer, that content will literally suck the life out of you. When you look at the Dead Sea from a distance, it looks like any other sea. But once you get up into it, and once you walk into it, it is kind of a gross experience. You're kind of like, ugh, ugh, it doesn't feel like normal water. It looks promising until you get there, and then you realize it's dead. That's the way the world is. That's the way Babylon is. It looks attractive. It's got all kinds of attractive packages. As a matter of fact, the media is famous for saying if the packaging is right, it will sell. All you got to put on something is new and improved and put some bright colors. Uh, uh. 
I think I want that. Why? Because it's new and they say it's improved. Right? And then you open the package and what's there? There's nothing new under the sun. That's Babylon. Babylon's system starts way back in your Bible in the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis 10. As the table of nations is being laid out, um, notice it says this, Genesis 10, this is after the flood, verse 8. Now Cush, Genesis 10.8, became the father of Nimrod. Now we all have probably heard that before. We, th- we think people call others a Nimrod. And we think, Where did-, did you know that a lot of the phrases that you hear that people use in the vernacular of modern society are biblical phrases? And Nimrod is a biblical name. I'm not sure who- why a parent would name their child Nimrod, but there it is. Nimrod's name actually means rebellion. So it would be uh, I, I suppose that some children <laughs> would be appropriately named Nimrod, but we won't go there. Now, Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was, please note it, Babel. Babel means confusion. God came down and confused the languages of the people because the people were trying to do, trying to reach up to God through that ziggurat that they had built in Genesis chapter 11. And uh, many believe that this is where the signs of the zodiac come from. And uh, even there's a connection to the days of Lent, back to what's called Babylonianism. And it is really man's religion. It is man's attempt to do something from self-reliance. It is man saying, we don't need God. We can build our towers. We can make a name for ourselves. And Nimrod was the mover and shaker behind Babylonianism, which sprung forth a lot of the mystery religions of the world. And a lot of those mystery religions, it may surprise you to know, are represented by a mother and a son together. And there, there are Egyptian forms of it and other forms of it, Indian forms of it. But notice that Nimrod is a mighty hunter. His kingdom is Babel, verse 10. And Erech and Akkad and uh, Kalna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went forth into Assyria and built, would you notice, Nineveh and Rehoboth Ur and Kala. Now go to uh, Genesis 11. Look at verse 1. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came. And this was, by the way, this was in defiance to God's command because if you look at Genesis 9, go back there for a second, Genesis 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah, Genesis 9, 1, and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and do what? And fill the whole earth. So God did want mankind to spread out. Go back to Genesis 11. 
So this was in defiance to God. Let us build a tower, make a name for ourselves. I guess many people over the years have attempted to do that. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And the Lord came. This was, by the way, this was in defiance to God's command, because if you look at Genesis 9, go back there for a second, Genesis 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah, Genesis 9, 1, and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and do what? And fill the whole earth. So God did want mankind to spread out, go back to Genesis 11. So this was in defiance to God, let us build a tower, make a name for ourselves. I guess many people over the years have attempted to do that. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, they all have the same language, and this is what they began, and this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come let us, and I believe there is a picture of the Trinity go down, and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. This is the beginning of Babylon. Go back to Isaiah. And so Babylon's original mover and shaker is Nimrod. That means rebellion. He builds a tower that probably... Uh, was the original place of the Zodiac symbols, man-made religion, New Age type of stuff. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're not going to spread out. We're not going to do what God says. We're going to build a tower, and it's going to reach the stars, baby. We can do it on our own. We don't have to obey God. And what does God do? God says, no, you're not. You're going to do what I said because my plan is going to happen. My will is going to be done. And this is literally the genesis of both Babel and the confusion or the differences in languages. So Babel is being dealt with. Babel is man's defiance against God. And Babylon is dealt with in the book of Revelation. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It's the wilderness of the sea. And from it, an invader. Notice um, the oracle back in 21.1 concerning the desert by the sea like whirlwinds sweeping through the southland an invader comes, that's an interpretation from the NIV, from the desert, from a land of terror, windstorms from the Negev sweep on, it comes from the wilderness, from a terrifying land. There is a march happening, and the march is actually pictured here in the Assyrian army. Remember, the Assyrian army was the fearful army of the day, and everybody was trying to take their stand against Assyria, but Assyria was a brutal people. And we're going to see how Isaiah's heart breaks for Babylon, but another prophet's heart would not break for them, and his name was Jonah. Or at least his heart would not break for Assyria. Because when God said, go and preach to Nineveh, what did he say? 
I don't want to go. I'm not going there to those people. They're wicked. I'd rather you wipe them out. And remember, we talked about the 120,000 there in Nineveh who didn't know their right hand from their left hand. We've seen that scholars believe that that's probably children. Can you imagine 120,000 children in a nation that is defiant to God and God saying, my heart for those, at least those little ones, is that they would know me, that they would be saved. But Jonah is an angry prophet. But Isaiah is carrying a burden. He knows that there's something coming. It's a harsh, verse 2, which means distressing or dire vision that has been shown to me. The treacherous one, look at verse 2, chapter 21, The treacherous one still deals treacherously. The destroyer still destroys. Go up Elam, lay siege, media. I have made an end of all the groaning that she has caused. Babylon has been a source of pain for people. She has offered her wares. She has brought in false religion and false hope. That's what Babylonianism ultimately does. It makes you look to the wrong thing. It makes you believe that you can live life and you can be okay and you can be successful without God. It is putting God out of the equation. It's saying, I don't need you, Lord. I can do it on my own. And, and what's the original lie in the garden? Well, actually, I'm God. Uh, I'm a God, right? Uh, one day, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and take my place up in the cosmos and, and I'm going to I'm going to populate my own planet. These are, these are modern religious beliefs today that people have. In the New Age movement, in Scientology, you basically become your own God. And as far as I know, that's the oldest lie in the book. Is it not, people? Didn't Satan say, the day that you eat the fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be as gods? I mean, all you got to do is just read the first few chapters of Genesis to know that that's the lie from the serpent. And so for this reason, says Isaiah, my loins, notice the prophet now, are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. I am so bewildered, I cannot hear, and so terrified, I cannot see. Look at verse four. My mind reels, horror overwhelms me, The twilight I longed for has been turned for me into trembling. You've been listening to How Far Gone is the Night, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, verses 1 through 12. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And just so you know, we have free apologetic events coming up, and we would love it if you would join us. They're called 633, based on Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app. And having the app on your phone or tablet will help because you'll be the first to know the details about our upcoming events. If you live outside Southern California, you'll still get to be a part of our 633 events because we live stream them. And with the app, you can participate in our question and answer portion of the event. Learn more about 633 when you download the Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars or by visiting walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. 
Well, as we study Isaiah chapter 21, we have a historical setting, but we also have a modern application. We might be asking, how far gone is the night? That's the title of our message. And, you know, we might be asking it in the setting of our country. Maybe you're asking in the setting of a relationship. Maybe you are asking it in regard to the church in America. If you listen in another country, perhaps what's happening around you. How far gone is the night is a question about, well, is there a a way that we can recover? Um, The picture of a watchman watching from his guard post and reporting back what's happening, you know, uh, in terms of the enemy, in terms of the safety of his own nation, the battlefield and the war. And there's always a time, I think, to be asking, where are we at? For example, you may be asking, as you think about prophecy and look at world events. Well, how close are we to the return of Christ? And the truth is we don't know for sure. We can look at world events with interest. We can, you know, compare them to biblical revelation, but we also have to realize that we need to live right now, occupy until Jesus comes, whatever that time is going to be and be as wise as we can. How far gone is the night? Only God knows. But here's the thing. We have breath in our lungs I think I'm talking, you know, overall to a group of people that would consider themselves blessed living in the country we live in, even with all the challenges and problems. We have time. You know, the Lord has given us a window of grace. And so there's light. And you might be asking, how far gone is the night? And maybe the answer to that is, why don't you take advantage of every uh, moment of light that you have? Jesus said, well, it is yet day. You know, we can work. Night comes when no one can work. And uh, now's the time for us to exploit it. And I'm not talking about just doing, doing, doing. I'm also talking about walking in joy. I'm talking about the peace and joy of our salvation. I'm talking about enjoying the relationships in your life. Uh, I'm talking about, um, you know, seeing every blessing coming down from heaven, good and precious gifts from above. It's a way for us to think in a healthy way about our uh, Christian life about our gifts from God and to have uh, the things that he wants us to have, which is joy and peace in our lives. How far gone is the night? Well, uh, the book of Isaiah has a historical context, but for you and I, I would just say, have you met the Lord? Um, have you, you know, Jesus d- is described as the light of the world. He described himself that way. Have you met the light of the world You know, before um, this life is over, certainly we want to make sure we know him, but there's a life to live for his glory as well. So how about we flip it around for a second and just say, hey, let's follow the light. (laughs) Let's walk in the light. We won't be overcome by the darkness. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. And you may be asking, well, how do I ask Jesus into my life? What a great question. You know, some of those questions were asked actually in the New Testament. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, the the answer biblically is to trust in the one who is life, the one who uh, died on the cross for us, the one who secured our salvation, who rose for our justification. His name is Jesus. And the way that you have that light in your life is to ask him in to uh, to cleanse you from sin, to cause you to be born again from above. And the simple way to do that is to say something like this. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the light of the world. 
I believe that you came, you entered into our pain, into the darkness of this world to save us. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection from the dead. Thank you for your perfect life, your compassion, your goodness. Would you be my king and my Lord? Would you forgive me of the sins that I've committed against you? I'm sorry. Thank you for being such a good and awesome Savior. I repent and I ask you to just be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior. Guide me in the way that you'd have me to go. You know, if you're a prodigal and maybe you found yourself in some darkness, this would be a great time to turn around and come back home and you'll have a heavenly father just waiting for you. That's how good he is. This is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if we can help you in any way with uh, opening up your heart to the Lord, maybe you need a Bible, maybe you need help with a, a biblical question, you need prayer. We do have pastors available Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 Pacific time at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, give us a call and tune in tomorrow as we dig in more on the message, How Far Gone is the Night. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 21, 1 through 12, called How Far Gone is the Night. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.